After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Tuesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Can you see the sunshine through the clouds? On a rainy day Can you hear The melody Though the notes Are far away Can you feel The golden rays Warm the skin Upon your face The promise awaits As the morning comes A hint of faith Enters your heart Yes, I can see The sunshine gives me hope and it gives me strength you teach to believe in mankind believe in broken hearts can you hear Taste of freedom at your grasp when you believe banishing fears now forever gone thanks to you and the kind. Ha! 
J.M. in the A.M. Our friends up at Waterbury with Min Hametzar here on a J.M. in the A.M. Tuesday morning broadcast. Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. It's Tuesday, the 6th of April, the 24th of Nissan. It is a J.M. in the A.M. Tuesday broadcast on this ninth day in the counting of the Omer. Today is day number nine. One week, two days. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Oh, yes. Make sure, if you have not yet counted, to count sometime today. Um, let's see, what have we been playing? I mean, I made to our friends up in Waterbury. The Medley from Jaywalking. That's an album. That came out, uh, is there a year on this? It came out 17 years ago from the Neshama Orchestra. It is a great workout CD. Lashana Abad, done by Shevas Achim, Yonatan Sheinfeld with Hu Yivarech. Believe, that was Levi Cohen, and of course, Regesh. Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Segal Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Uh, it's Tuesday, which means uh, by now, <laughs> things should be getting back to somewhat normal. What did you say? It was funny because if you heard Friday's show, which was uh, Arab Shvi Shal Pesach, I was on the air with Yigal Siegel from Jerusalem, and I basically said to him that when uh, when we wake up Monday morning, meaning when we woke up yesterday morning, Pesach will have been a long-ago memory, a distant memory for him and everybody in Israel. Because obviously Pesach ended on Saturday night. So now that we're here on Tuesday morning, I'm not saying Pesach's a complete distant memory, but uh, it did end Sunday night for us. And I think uh, for a lot of people, things are getting back to normal. Their kitchens are getting back to normal. Their work schedule is getting back to normal. Uh, as much as I do prefer, in some ways, waking up at 7.30 on a Yom Tov morning, uh, still there is something to be said about waking up at 4 a.m. on a regular morning and getting to work. Uh, at about 5 o'clock. There's something to be said for that. I know that not everybody would find that easy to believe, but um, there's something to be said for being back on a regular schedule. I'll regret that when I'm trying to get out of bed tomorrow morning. Uh, 49 degrees, 40% humidity, winds are northwest at 7 miles per hour. Sunny today with a high of 70. Now we're talking some clouds tonight, low 48 Tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high, 68 degrees. 79 right now in Yerushalayim. Beautiful, 79 Yerushalayim. That's nice. 49 here in New York City. As we say good morning at JM in the AM. Anyway, um, what can I tell you? A whole lot of stuff going on. And, oh, uh, yesterday I alluded to the fact well, alluded to the fact. First of all, uh, yesterday uh, I mentioned that um, w we have a lot of special programming coming up over the next few days. 
um, or over the next few weeks, to be more accurate. Uh, Yom HaShoah this Thursday. Uh, Yom HaZikaron on Wednesday of next week. Yom, ha- Yom HaTzma'ud of Thursday of next week. That's the 14th and 15th of April. Lagba Omer on the 30th of April. And then on the, is it the 10th of March? Uh, of May, rather? Let me just make sure I have this right. Yeah, May 10th. May 10th is Yom Yushalayim. May 10th is Yom Yushalayim. So a lot of special programming that we're going to be doing over the next few weeks. And there will be a major Lagba Omer announcement. I'm hoping we have that tomorrow. I'm hoping we actually have the guts to uh, announce it tomorrow, please God. But there will be a major Lagba Omer announcement coming up. One of international proportions. Woo! Just saying those words makes it sound so exciting. For good reason. It is exciting. Um, so that's, um, excuse me, that's hopefully tomorrow here at JMNAM. If not, then it'll be shortly afterward. Uh, but again, we are looking for a major, major announcement here regarding Logba Omer. And um, looking forward to everybody enjoying that. Anyway, it's day nine in the Omer. Let's see, 33 minus nine. So we have about uh, 24 days to go. Okay. <laughs> 23 and a half weeks to Logba Omer. Yeah, Shvu is six weeks from today. How do you like that? At least in Chutzlaretz. In Israel, Shvu is over already six weeks from today. Anyway, that's the story. So it's a Tuesday morning broadcast, JM and AM at nine minutes before 7 o'clock. We'll do our news from Israel at the top of the hour. Check in with our friends from Joma. Uh, Rabbi Pearl is going to join us from uh, the Halachic Organ Donor Society in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll get a chance to talk about that. And, of course, uh, plenty more all happening here on a Tuesday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. All righty. So there you have it. Uh, this is brand new. Ruvain Garber, JM in the AM.
pensando para qué lado mirar Pues en el fondo sé cómo continuar La palabra gracias y vamos a bailar J.M. in the A.M. I.A. is a um, selection from Ruvain Garber, brand new here at J.M. in the A.M. Day nine in the counting of the Omer. So the AP, the AP, um, their headline is Israeli President Picks Netanyahu to Try and Form Government. The Washington Post, with reluctance, Israel's president tasks Netanyahu with forming a new government. It's amazing. The AP story written by Lori Kelman and Ilan Ben-Sion says uh, Israel's president on Tuesday handed Prime Minister Netanyahu the difficult task of trying to form a government from the country's splintered parliament, giving the embattled leader a chance to prolong his lengthy term in office while on trial for corruption charges. In his announcement, President Rivlin acknowledged a no-party leader had the necessary support to form a majority coalition in the 120-seat Knesset. He also noted that many believe Netanyahu was unfit to serve in light of his legal problems. Nonetheless, Rivlin said, there was nothing in the law preventing Netanyahu from serving as prime minister. After consulting with the 13 parties in the newly elected parliament, Rivlin said that Netanyahu had the best chance of any candidate of forming a new government. No candidate has a realistic chance of forming a government that will have the confidence of the Knesset, Rivlin said, but he added that Netanyahu has a slightly higher chance of being able to. I have decided to entrust him with the task, Rivlin said from Jerusalem. Netanyahu now has up to six weeks to try to cobble together a coalition during his trial. So six weeks, that would be the day after Shavuos, right? In Israel, it's the day after Shavuos. Today's the sixth. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, second day of Shavuos, or again, the day after Shavuos in Israel, would be the deadline. 
the decision nudged forward the twin dramas over the country's future and Netanyahu's fate, giving Israel's longest-serving premier a fresh chance to try to salvage his career. A court ruling could be months or even years away. The proceedings are expected to take place up to three days a week, an embarrassing and time-consuming distraction that will shadow Netanyahu's appeals to his rivals. Netanyahu holds the most support, 52 seats in the Knesset, but that's still short of a 61-seat majority. He's likely to use his powers of persuasion to try to lure a number of opponents, including a number of former close aides who have vowed never to serve under him again, with generous offers of powerful government ministries or legislative committees. Parties representing 45 members supported Yair Lapid, while Yamina, uh, with seven seats, nominated its own leader, Naftali Bennett. Three parties uh, holding a total of 16 seats made no recommendation. Rivlin's decision merges questions of Netanyahu's legal and political future in what perhaps in what's perhaps the starkest political challenge of his career in court he faces fraud breach of trust and bribery charges in three separate cases proceedings resumed Tuesday though the premier was not expected to appear in court um so that's what's happening in Israel interesting so the president has given Netanyahu the chance he has told Shavuos to form the government, and let's see what happens. It is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and AlchemSegal.com, and the AlchemSegal Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSNF. Galit's on the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up here at JM in the AM. We are trying, as, as we always do, to uh, secure jobs for as many people as possible who need them. If you have a resume... If you know someone who's unemployed or if you're unemployed and you have a resume, anything in the Jewish not-for-profit, Jewish in the Jewish not-for-profit professional realm goes to our friends at the Joel Paul Group. Everything else, we try our best to uh, make a shidduch, so to speak. Send in the resume, resume at nachomsegel.com, resume at nachomsegel.com, resume at nachomsegel.com. Simple as that. Galit's on the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. And then we'll continue with plenty more. Our friends from Joma are going to join us this morning. Rabbi Pearl from the uh, Halachic Organ Donation Society is going to be joining us. Plenty more happening here on a Tuesday at JMNAM. Galit Sal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Tuesday is next. We say Boker Tov from JM and the AM. צהל מירושלים השעה שתיים של עומריו באולפן רן יבנאי עם מה שקורה עכשיו. נשיא המדינה ריבלין נטיל את מלאכת הרכבת הממשלה על ראש הממשלה נתניהו ואמר זו הכרעה לא קלה ברמה המוסרית. קיבלתי את הכרעתי בהתאם למשתקף ממפת הממליצים. המידע על סיכוי גבוה מעט של חבר הכנסת בנימין נתניהו להרכיב ממשלה. הכרעה זו אינה הכרעה קלה בעיניי. ברמה המוסרית והערכית. אני מתרשם כי לאף אחד מן המועמדים אין בשלב זה סיכוי ממשי להרכיב ממשלה. אילו החוק היה נתון בידי, הייתי מעביר את ההחלטה בחזרה אל כנסת ישראל. כתבנו יוניר קוזין מציין שבאופן לא רגיל הנשיא לא זימן את נתניהו לבית הנשיא לקבל את המלאכה כפי שקורה בדרך כלל. מנכ"ל בית הנשיא הגיע למעון ראש הממשלה למסור לו את המנדט. משפט ראש הממשלה, השופטים דחו את בקשות ההגנה בקשר לעדות אילן ישועה. 
בשעה זו חזר מנכ"ל וואלה לשעבר להעיד מבית המשפט המחוזי בירושלים, מדווח כתבנו איתי שריג. ישועה מעיד כי בני הזוג אלוביץ' אמרו לו שעלולה להיפתח חקירה וביקשו ממנו למחוק את ההתכתבויות ביניהם. ישועה מוסיף, אמרו לי שחשוב לתאם מה כל אחד יגיד, מה אני אגיד, מה ראש הממשלה יגיד ומה שאול יגיד. ההגנה טענה כי היא תעתור לבג"ץ נגד החלטת השופטים לדחות את בקשתה בעניין רענון הזיכרון שנערך לישועה. נגיד בנק ישראל, הפרופסור אמיר ירון, קורא להקמת ממשלה יציבה שתעביר תקציב מסודר ותוכניות האצה כלכליות. כתבנו לענייני כלכלה ניתאי הנביא שמר טוב. ברור שכשאין ממשלה אי אפשר לקדם את אותן תוכניות ואת אותם שינויים מבניים שהמשק כה זקוק להם. אנחנו מדברים פה על צמיחה בת קיימא לאורך זמן, השקעות שכרוכות בדיונים וכרוכות בתעדופים, אבל גם לוקחות זמן. אי אפשר לעשות את זה לחפלאפ. הוארך בשלושה ימים מעצרו של רב הישיבה, החשוד בגרמת מותו של תלמידו שטבע אתמול בנחל פרת, מדווח כתבנו שחר גליק. המשטרה טוענת שהרב, מקורב להרב ברלנד, ששמו עדיין אסור בפרסום, הוא שגרם ברשלנות למותו של שמעון הלר, זיכרונו לברכה, בן ה-16, מאחר שהרב הוא זה שהיה אחראי על הנערים בטיול כששמעון טבע אתמול בנחל. עורך דינו אמר בבית המשפט שנראה כי הרב לא אישר לתלמידיו להיכנס למים וכי במקום היו מדריך, מגיש עזרה ראשונה ומספר בוגרים נוספים שעשויים להיות אחראים גם כן. השופט האריך את מעצרו עד ליום חמישי. חברת התעופה הלאומית של איחוד האמירויות התאחד חנכה היום קו טיסות סדיר בין אבו דאבי לתל אביב בטקס מיוחד בנתב"ג. כתבתנו עינב קרנר מציינת שביום שני נוספה ישראל לרשימה הירוקה של אבו דאבי והנוסעים המגיעים מישראל אינם נדרשים להיכנס לבידוד, החובה עליהם להציג בדיקה שלילית. כתבתנו המדינית מוריה אסרף וולברג מציינת שבטיסה שהגיעה היה גם השגריר החדש שמתחיל היום רשמית את תפקידו בישראל. מעקב גלי צה"ל, שבעה הרוגים ויותר מ-800 פצועים בתאונות דרכים בשבוע שחלף. מדווחת כתבתנו יעל חיימסון. בשבוע החולף נהרגו שבעה בני אדם ו-855 נפצעו, בהם 12 באורח קשה, 58 בינוני והיתר קל. כך עולה מנתוני הרשות הלאומית לבטיחות בדרכים ומגן דוד אדום, המגיעים במסגרת מעקב תוכניתנו יומן הצהריים. מתחילת השנה נהרגו 77 בני אדם בתאונות דרכים. בסוף שנת 2019 עמד מספר היהודים ברחבי העולם על כמעט 15 מיליון, כך עולה מנתוני הלשכה המרכזית לסטטיסטיקה. עם הפרטים כתבנו יותם פוגל. בסוף שנת 2019 היה מספר היהודים ברחבי העולם זהה למספרם בשנת 1925, לפני כמעט 100 שנה. היום בישראל חיים מחצית מכלל היהודים ברחבי העולם. בשנת 1939, ערב מלחמת העולם השנייה, היהודים מנו 16.5 מיליון איש. ומזג האוויר? איזה חוק. בקיצור, שרבי. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד. Shalom <laughs> 
J.M. in the A.M. Uvalatzion Goel here at J.M. in the A.M. Um, I'm scheduled to be on uh, Lenny Solomon's show this afternoon. And I was scheduled to be on someone else's podcast as well today, and I just can't find the invite. But I thank those who are inviting me to speak about the... Um, the career I've had in Jewish radio and all these uh, individual podcasts. Um, it's much appreciated. JM in the AM on a Tuesday broadcast. Today's day number nine in the counting of the Omer. Revolution from the Yeshiva Boys. Regesh had Vyazar. That was a request on the app. If you go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app, you can actually see that request. Came through at 6.52 Eastern time this morning. <laughs> now I actually have to provide proof when I say we had a request for a song. Uh, feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. The Hisha Amda, we open the hour with Mordechai Shapiro. Brand new here at JM in the AM. Um, we'll speak with a uh, pretty prominent doctor uh, in a few minutes. From JOMA, Jewish Orthodox Women's uh, uh, Medical Association, JOMA presents COVID-19 vaccines and you this coming Sunday at 8 p.m. A live stream town hall for women with Dr. Naor Barzev, Dr. Richard Grazi, and Dr. Ellie Carmody Stone, who you may recall was a guest of ours recently on JM in the AM. COVID-19 Vaccine is a safer path to immunity than natural infection. Get your questions answered and find out what every Jewish woman needs to know this Sunday at 8 p.m. Joma.org. Joma.org. Vaxquestions.live. Vaxquestions.live. You can also call 929-4-GESUNT and then press option 9. 929-4, the number 4, GESUNT, G-E-Z-U-N-T, and then press option 9. Lots of ways to get in touch with Joma. And we'll talk more about it coming up here at JM in the AM. It's important. Get that vaccine. It's a game changer, folks. It is a game changer. A lot of people are already back to uh, regular life because they've been vaccinated and they feel safe leaving their home and getting to work. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Enjoy a 10% discount at all Abel's and Hyman products at kosherdogs.net. 
Use promo code RADIO. A&H has been serving the kosher world since 1954, and A&H products are available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. Try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. Don't forget everything at ArtScroll, ArtScroll.com, everything that you order at ArtScroll.com, you want to use promo code RADIO. You get your discount. You get your free shipping. They have an amazing selection of brand-new books. I want to see for a second what appears on the top banner over at artscroll.com. Uh, let's see. First of all, they have an amazing deal for Cholamoid. I'm assuming that that... Uh, oh, it's still going on. Until April 12th, that deal is going on. Plus, they have Rabbi Nachman Seltzer's book about the disco rabbi, Living Legend. They have a million classics on uh, Pirke Avos. As many of you know, Pirke Avos has restarted. Um... Is Perik, Perik Aleph is this Shabbos, right? Yeah, Perik Aleph is this Shabbos. And um, so there's a lot of Pirkei Avos. The brand new Uncle Maishi, the uh, the um, the weekly Parsha Sefer Vayikra, that's brand new. Mikros Gedolos 5 Megillos. Uh, to Light a Spark, Rabbi Spiro. Rav Chaim Kanievsky on Tehillim, compiled by Shai Graucher. Um, so there's a lot going on. Go to artscroll.com. Always use promo code radio. When you do, you get an amazing discount and you get free shipping. Simple as that. Check it out and enjoy. You'll be glad you did. Believe you me. You'll be very happy with that decision. You'll be patting yourself on the back after making that decision. (laughs) Anyway, more coming up. You're listening to a Tuesday morning broadcast with I rem- where I remind you that today is day number nine in the counting of the Omer. Today is day number nine in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM.
cars on my mind and I just can't swim The only way to win is to jump right in Some say turn around, turn around and fight them Some say close your eyes and pray Some will wave a big white flag screaming with surrender Some quit calling it a day just keep on moving, roll it on Don't stop for the ocean don't stop, don't stop. Keep on moving, waters fade away Keep on moving, roll it on Don't stop for the ocean don't stop, don't stop. Keep on moving till you find your way There's just nothing about survival Some say Doesn't really pay Some hold on tight screaming Can't change my nature Some say we just can't find our way Just keep on moving, roll it on Don't stop for the ocean stop, stop. Keep on moving, waters fade away Keep on moving, roll it on don't stop for the ocean stop, don't stop. Keep on moving till you find your way Trust in him, waves are crashing but we're coming in Got my eye on the prize, won't stop for the lies I'll be running down this path till he opens my eyes Clouds are dark, I can't see a thing But I wait to see the light that my faith will bring J.M. in the A.M. Roland is the name of that one. That's a uh, selection from Eighth Day here at J.M. in the A.M. Roland. Up Like a Lion, that was Arye Kunstler. We're hoping for a major announcement tomorrow. I really do hope it happens tomorrow. Major announcement tomorrow regarding Lagba Omer. As I remind everybody that we have some very special days coming up. This Thursday, we'll observe Yom HaShoah. Next Wednesday and Thursday, Yom HaZikaron and Yom HaTzma'ut. Friday the 30th of April, we'll observe Lagba Omer and hopefully a major announcement tomorrow. And the May 10th, May 10th, Yom Yushalayim right here 
at JM Names. A lot going on, a lot going on. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas Harav Zebnevis of Alevi, and Zechonishmas Esther Basavis of Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We learn in the Mishnah Novos, Every day, a heavenly voice proclaims, Woe is to the creations, From that which will be insulting to Torah. The question is, what is the need for a baskel to go out every day? It would be enough just once a year. More than that, if we would hear the baskel, that would be great. But we don't hear it. The Talmud relates an interesting story. Rabbi Yochanan and Ilfa were learning. They were learning with great diligence. However, when they reached a dire state of impoverishment, they decided to stop learning and become involved in business. One day as they sat eating their meal under a shaky wall, Rabbi Yochanan overheard a discussion between two malachim. Let us throw this wall down upon the people and kill them because they abandoned their pursuit of Olam Haba and became involved only with Olam Hazer. The other Malach said, Leave them alone because one will grow great and it is not yet his time to leave this world. Rabbi Yochanan asked Ilfa, Did you hear the words of that Malach? Ilfa said, No. Rabbi Yochanan then said to himself, it is evident that I am the one who still has much to achieve. So he returned to the base medrash. He continued to learn until he became a great scholar in the Godel. The Baskul emanates from Archorev. It is like the discussion of the Malochim that was overheard by Rabbi Yochanan. It comes to inspire us. We need to listen. This is the way that we can explain the Mishnah. If you see a person, that he's in a distressed state, he has a lot of challenges, you should know that it's because of the Albana Shel Torah. It's neglecting the Torah itself. The Baal Shem Tov said, if a Baskul goes out, why don't we listen? And if we don't hear it, then why does it go out? He answers that every nefesh, Thinks here, hurei tshuva, thoughts of repentance. That's the baskel. But the one who's intelligent grabs on to these thoughts and begins to be mefashvesh b'masov. He inspects his life, and through that he is able to do tshuva shlema. The rishveyesh says that even though we might continue to do averus sins, Hashem still does not abandon us. Every day. He sends out the Baskul from heaven to be over us, to help us be inspired in order to do tshuva. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. J.M. in the A.M. Tuesday. Big thank you to Rabbi Goldwasser, of course. I wanted to mention earlier when um, I had the Ellie Gerstner selection on with the Yeshiva Boys Choir because they were part of the big event last Thursday night for the matzah fund. They're going to be taking that video down sometime later tonight. So if you haven't seen the concert yet, go to feedourbrothers.org. At some point today, go to feedourbrothers.org. You can see the concert, Yaakov Shweki, Avram Fried, Yeshiva Boys, and of course you can give and help uh, poor families in Israel. So it's feedourbrothers.org. That video is going to be down later on today. So at some point today, enjoy that. 
in the comfort of your own home or office, wherever you might be, and give generously. Feedourbrothers.org, feedourbrothers.org, again, give generously. The Siegel Torah Institute presents a special shear given by Dr. David Horowitz, uh, Rosh Hashiva at Reitz, and the Rosh Chabura at the Kubietsky Kodshim Kolo at Reitz, in memory of his mother, Minna Horowitz, Minna Basarev Shimon, to mark her sixth yard site t- uh, today on the 24th of Nisan, the shear is going to be given uh, starting at 7.25 p.m. at the Bialystoker Shul this evening at 7.25 p.m. right after Mincha, in between Mincha and Mariv. So you could join Rabbi Horowitz at the uh, Bialystoker Synagogue tonight here on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Information, Bialystoker.org or dial 212-475-0165, 212-475-0165. Our friends at Joma present COVID-19 vaccines and you, a live stream town hall for women happening this coming Sunday beginning 8 p.m. It'll feature Dr. Richard Grazi, Dr. Naor Barzev, and Dr. Ellie Carmody-Stone. Go to Joma.org for information, J-O-W-M-A. Dot org for information. Joma is the Jewish Orthodox Women's Medical Association. And if you go to their website, joma.org, and you click on patient edu, patient edu at the top, there's a lot of information about the value of the COVID-19 vaccine and um, in getting it uh, spread in an appropriate manner throughout our community. And I hope you would go there if, uh, if there's anybody that you know that has questions about the vaccine to learn more and more about it from the information that Joma provides. And we are going to encourage people, continue to encourage people in our community to get the vaccine and spread immunity throughout the community so all of us can get back to what we knew as a normal existence before this pandemic began. We have a special guest with us live via telephone, and it's unlike me to go through a long introduction, but in this case, I think it's appropriate so we know just who we're speaking to on the other end. Uh, it's a pretty serious conversation and one that I hope will, again, encourage people to visit Joma.org and to get more information if they have any doubts, if you have any doubts regarding the COVID-19 vaccine. Dr. Hannah Weinstock-Newberger is with us, a medical oncologist and hematologist who has been a genitourinary uh, oncology team leader at the United States Food and Drug Administration, the FDA since 2017, where she leads a team of oncologists in the review and approval of cancer drugs. She is a BJJ graduate who then graduated with high distinction from the University of Toronto before completing her medical degree at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine. She completed her internal medicine residency at Beth Israel, her medical oncology and hematology fellowship at the University of Maryland, then practiced thoracic and genitourinary oncology at the University of Maryland Medical Center, and at the Baltimore Veterans Affair Medical Center, and she remains on staff at the Baltimore VA. Her original oncology oncology research has been published in peer-reviewed journals like the Journal of Clinical Oncology, Journal of Urology, Clinical Cancer Research, presented at many national meetings from many different organizations and symposia and workshops, serves as the current track leader of the ASCO's GU Oncology Kidney and Bladder Cancer Education Committee on the Bladder Cancer Advocacy Network, annual meeting planning committee, and as an FDA observer on the National Cancer Institute NCTN Scientific Steering Committee in the Genitourinary Oncology and has presented for the FDA's Oncologic Drugs Advisory Committee. She's recently been involved in organizing several workshops on clinical trial design and endpoint definition in genitourinary oncology. She's also a founding vice president of the Jewish Orthodox Women's Medical Association, JALMA. This is the type of people that JOMA has. 
is the type of credentials they bring to the table. And she's active in mentorship for those aspiring to careers in medicine. Dr. Hannah Weinstock Newberger, a pleasure and an honor to welcome you to JM in the AM. Thank you so much. Such an honor to be here this morning. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate that. We hear so much, all of us, uh, you know, regular people hear so much about the FDA. Can you tell me a little bit about what the FDA is and what it does and what you do there at the FDA? Sure, I'm, I'm happy to. So I'm a medical oncologist and hematologist by training, but I do happen to work at the FDA, um, which is, I think, why I was asked to talk a little bit about the agency that I work for. Yep. So um, as you mentioned, I work as a team leader in the Office of Oncologic Diseases, and I lead a team of medical oncologists where we review clinical trials in prostate, kidney, and bladder cancer, and we approve new drugs for all of those indications. So the truth is that I really have very little to do with the vaccine approval process. It's done in a different center. But what I can tell you is some of my familiarity with the agency and um, with, you know, the drug approval process and with the type of people that do the work that I do. Um, And I know, you know, there's a very rigorous hiring and vetting process. It happens before someone comes on board to work here. <laughs> I can only imagine. My gosh, <laughs> I mean, our lives are in your hands, essentially. Um, and 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 the FDA mission in general, because we hear so much about it, and we 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 pray that it is that it is as uh, as neutral and as active as we read about. Uh, tell us about their mission and what you do to ensure and protect public health. Yeah, sure. So you know, it's something that. Many of us um, who come to work for the FDA take very seriously, and it's the reason why many of us have chosen a career um, in, you know, a public agency and public service. We do take this charge to protect the public health very seriously, and it's something we really feel as sort of a calling. So, I mean, in terms of the FDA's mission, we protect public health by ensuring safety, efficacy, and security of drugs devices and biologic products. And um, as an agency, we're responsible for advancing public health by speeding innovation, making, you know, drugs and medical products more effective, safer, and really by helping the public get accurate and science-based information to use drugs and all sorts of medical products in the proper way to improve their health. So it's really a charge we take very seriously every day. Dr. Hannah Weinstock Newberger with us. Amazing that so many of us hear about the FDA and we don't think about the people who are behind it. And someone this prominent is in our, is in our own community, which is pretty cool. Uh, doctor, can you describe the process? Everyone's talking about this vaccine. That, that's obvious. I don't have to tell you the entire country is focused on it every single day. Can you tell us about the process that a drug or vaccine goes through before it is approved for marketing in the United States? And this is an important question, as you know, because people are skeptical and wonder about the speed with which this vaccine, meaning the vaccine for COVID-19 specifically, came out, etc. Can you describe the rigorous process for us? Yes, yeah, sure. So, you know, any time that a drug company wants to manufacture and sell a drug in the United States, the FDA is authorized by law to evaluate these new drugs before they can be sold. And this really prevents unsafe and ineffective drugs from being marketed, right? Um, But it also 
provides doctors and patients with information that they need to use medicines wisely. Um, and the way this is done is that all drug companies, before they can sell drugs in the United States, need to test these drugs and send the information from these tests to the FDA to review and really look at the data in order to decide that a drug is safe. And that's when um, my team comes in, which is a team of physicians, statisticians, chemists, you name it. And we review the data, we review the labeling. And what this does is establish a really independent and unbiased review to state that, you know, the drug's health benefits outweigh its risks. And that's when a drug can be approved for sale and marketing in the U.S. So it's really um, a layer of oversight a really important layer of oversight to know that when someone's selling a drug, it's safe and it does what it says it's going to do. Yeah, and it doesn't do what what many people claim it might do. And I'm, when I say that, I'm talking about you know unusual yeah. unusual side effects, etc. Uh, Dr. Hanna Weinstock Newberger is with us. Um, so literally, our lives are in your hands. Um, it, we've heard the term emergency use authorization a lot. President Trump used it a lot. President Biden has used it. We've heard the term a lot. And I think psychologically to the regular average person, it sounds like when you hear those words that things are being rushed. And I think it's unfair to portray it that way. Could you tell us the accurate description of what an emergency use authorization is? So first of all, um, I think what you're saying is um, certainly reflecting what people um, you know, may be saying or, or um discussing um, when they hear the term. But if, to really get an accurate sense of what an emergency use authorization is, I really do urge people to go to the FDA.gov website. Mm. There's a lot of information about the regulatory um, processes behind emergency use authorization, etc. But really what an emergency use authorization allows is when there's a really um, grave public health emergency there's a mechanism by which we can facilitate avail availability as soon as possible of something like a COVID vaccine, which can be done in a way that the public can trust and have confidence in receiving. So the emergency use authorization is really just a mechanism to facilitate availability and use of vaccines, et cetera, during public health emergencies. And, um, under an EUA, the FDA still does very rigorous review of clinical trials, phase three clinical trials. Um, but this is just a way that this can happen in a somewhat more expedient manner. And, you know, if a company feels like there's a situation that justifies it, uh, after discussion with the FDA, they can really start going down this pathway for approval. And um, once submitted, uh, this data really is reviewed in a very rigorous way, and the data is reviewed by an independent committee of experts, and the career physicians and scientists who work at the FDA then have to evaluate all the, the clinical trial data, et cetera, that's submitted, right. and look at the risks and benefit like we do for any other drug. Um, and that's when the um, decision to approve is made. But I, I do want to say that the vaccines are really rigorously tested. You know, these um, are 
the COVID-19 vaccine trials uh, are evaluating in thousands of study participants. And, you know, this really is how the data is generated in order to um, really provide the uh, backing for the approval. And and I, I want to add, and, and I'm, I'm just making clear to the audience that because of your position at the FDA, the boundaries of this conversation have been very, very clearly set. So if I ask something that you don't want to answer, saying to us that you won't answer it is totally legitimate. <laughs> but uh, And I mean that, and, uh, and, and, and no worries at all. But I think it's so important. There are thousands of people listening right now, and I think it's important to convey to everybody who's listening that even though this was an EUA, even though this was an emergency use authorization, so much of the research, so many of these steps in retrospect, I don't want to put words in your mouth, so you can either, again, tell me I'm right or you don't want to discuss it, but so much of what went into this COVID-19 vaccine was done for years, some might even say for decades, before this pandemic even even you know hit us on this globe. Would that be an accurate way of portraying it? Well, you know, certainly any advance in medicine comes on the um, shoulders of a lot of um, many, many hard work, many, many years of hard work um, and just basic science and drug development, vaccine development. So, again, while I'm not a vaccine reviewer and I can't comment on the specifics, um, you know, in the scientific process behind the drug development, um, I I do think that there was a lot of um, prior um, development in this area. And again, the clinical trials were phase three clinical trials that really did evaluate tens of thousands of patients. So there really is a lot of rigor behind this. Yeah. And you mentioned a moment ago just how rigorously tested these COVID-19 vaccines are. And you you did say you use the word thousands in terms of the number of people that are included in these tests and trials. Etc. Would it be appropriate for me? And again, this is just to encourage people in this audience to get vaccinated. I've mentioned a million times that that I've already been quote unquote double vaccinated with the Pfizer vaccine. Would it be appropriate to discuss? Great. I'm sorry. Great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I've what? been vaccinated. My husband's been vaccinated. We're all uh, there. You, you know, go. As soon as we can, I think that's that's been the limiting factor is trying to get an appointment, um, but. I would encourage everybody to try to go ahead and do so. And, and finally, uh, again, you know, a lot of people are skeptical about a lot of things. Um, it, it, how can you explain uh, if there is any relationship between an FDA employee and, for example, a pharmaceutical company? You know, people are, are curious, skeptical, use whatever word you want, uh, about what effect um, uh, the FDA or pressure the FDA might be under when it comes to the pressure that pharmaceutical companies might be able to place on them. What can you tell us about this relationship between the FDA and pharmaceutical companies? Yeah, thank you. That's a great question, and I'm really happy to talk about this because it comes up a lot. So, uh, you know, this because this applies to me and my colleagues um, who approve cancer drugs just as much as it applies to any FDA employee. So we all have extremely rigorous ethical standards that forbid us from profiting at all from anything that's regulated by the FDA. So not even what we personally are involved with, but as an FDA employee, I can't profit from anything, um, any food, drugs, tobacco, et cetera, that's regulated by the FDA. I need to report all of my external investments. Um, I can't own any shares in a drug company. 
All of these are scrutinized and reviewed to make sure there are no ways for me to profit from any of the work that I do or that anyone does at the FDA. And this is true for all employees. We can face jail time. We can face fines if we violate these ethical guidelines. And, you know, these are very clearly stated. We, we go through training often. So this is, you know, something that is very um, important and, and just very known and emphasized within the agency. So I can assure you that the oversight into the independence and accountability of all FDA employees is absolutely there and and really protected. So we're working for public health and safety without any ability of profit personally, and we're working totally independently. And for many of us, like I said, it's really a calling and really something we feel is a way to help many, many people, you know, um, in a very impactful way. The uh, the so, way the way I would put it is that there's a lot of gray area when it comes to the way pharmaceutical companies deal with a lot of different things in this country. But it seems when it comes to the FDA pharmaceutical companies relationship, it ain't, it ain't no gray area. <laughs> the rule oh no, the rules it's, are it's very clear. Extremely black and white, <laughs> right, you know, exactly. and, and there's absolutely no profit on our part. So I, I definitely, if there's one thing that anyone takes away from this interview, it's that you know the complete independence and the absence of any kind of profit um, on our part um, or any kind of um, payback or, or any of those things that I've, I've heard people ask about. I mean, there, there, is, there are real consequences if anyone were ever to contemplate anything like that. It's just, um, you know, really, really not, um, not allowable um, ethically. Information about all of this directed specifically to our community, go to joma.org, J-O-W-M-A.org. At the top, there's a tab that says Patient EDU. It's a great place to start in terms of uh, finding out more and more about the COVID-19 vaccine and how it relates to our community and a lot of the different you know stories, rumors, and, and uh, skepticism that goes on in our community. In all seriousness, I mean, outside of your role with the FDA for a moment, I mean, it, we were introduced to Joma a few weeks ago. I think you know that, and we've been using them as a tremendous uh, resource and vehicle to get the word out uh, to all of our listeners. Uh, I mean, they have attracted um, a, a lot of um, a lot of very, very qualified medical personnel. I mean, your your resume is impressive to say the least, and you're a founding vice president of the Jewish Orthodox Women's. Medical Association. Uh, what is it about the organization? I know I'm asking you this, you know, off the cuff. This is not something that we asked you to prepare, but what is it about Joma that attracts people with the qualifications that are similar to yours? Well, thank you. That's very kind. Um, I think it really is an organization that has tapped into an unmet need on a lot of levels. Um, there's a lot of us who've come through the, the medical training system who didn't necessarily have the resources um, in terms of uh, peer support, mentorship, and all of that. So I think that was the original principle on which Jomo was founded that really attracted a lot of us, certainly um, excited me um, from Jomo's inception. Um, in addition to giving back to the community, I think that's a really important part as well. But you know, coming as a BCAFO graduate and wanting to pursue a medical career, there was uh, very little um, for me that I had available um, to sort of 
give me career advice and kind of get me through the training. Um, I did have excellent mentorship. I was very, very fortunate to have um, a woman by the name of Dr. Ellen Warner, who's a medical oncologist in Toronto where I grew up, who really uh, did all of that for me, not through an organization, but the fact that there's a, an organized way to do this now, I think really resonated with a lot of us. Unbelievable. Really nice. Well, I'll ask you to uh, thank those who, uh, because you deal because you deal with them, uh, to thank those who are on the front lines of this vaccine research, because frankly, if not for this vaccine, it would take a lot, lot longer to get people back to, to the normal times that we remember. And the fact that a year later, because you remember what it was like in April of 2020, especially in our community, it was a it was a down and disastrous and tragic uh, month of April uh, one year ago. Oh, yeah. And one year later... Never, yeah, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll never forget the uh, TED that came out the week after Pesach. It was just... Yeah. It was horrible. A lot of, um, a lot so, of obituaries, a lot of obituaries yeah. and remembrances. Uh, and, and look at us a year later. We may not be where we want. Uh, as, as most of my listeners know, I'm dying to get to Israel already and start traveling again. <laughs> but, so we may not be exactly where we want, but the difference between last Yontif, Pesach 5780, and the Pesach 5781, a vast difference. And one of the reasons is you and your colleagues. So I'll say thank you very much. Well, thank you very much, and thank you so much. It's really been an honor um, to be part of your program. And, again, FDA.gov is a website that hopefully can answer a lot of questions. Appreciate that, and really an honor to uh, meet you in this forum. Uh, Dr. Hanna Weinstock Newberger, uh, FDA.gov uh, is the uh, the website she just recommended. We're also going to recommend, of course, JOMA.org. JOMA is the Jewish Orthodox Women's Medical Association. JOMA.org. If you go to Patient EDU. If you go to Patient EDU at the top of the page, a whole bunch of resources there. Also, remember that there's a special Joma Town Hall with Dr. Grazi, Dr. Naor Barzev, and Dr. Ellie Carmody Stone coming up this Sunday, April the 11th, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And that town hall is a live stream town hall for women, COVID-19 vaccines, and you. Information on the website, joma.org slash COVID-19, joma.org slash COVID-19. More coming up. It is a, what is today? Tuesday morning edition of JM in the AM. Treat her kind, old friend. Treat her kind. Without her, where would you be now today? Everything God gives you is on account of her. And all she needs is kindness to make it through her day. Treat her kind. That you made her with that wedding ring The love the two of you deserve to find Is waiting for you when you treat her kind Treat her kind Oh, 
treat her kind She makes a better person out of you And blessed is the life Of a man with a good wife Treat her kind It's the least that you can do Treat her kind J.M. and the A.M. Treat Her Kind from the Yes Legacy album. Shlomo Katz and Gershon Veroba together on that one. Pretty amazing, huh? Oh, yes. Tuesday morning, ninth day in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. It is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at AlchemySingle.com and the AlchemySingle Network. And, of course, in the beloved NSN app.
Not bad, huh? Dvekis with uh, Miale. What a song. What an overture that is. Shlomo Simcha before that with Hato off the Fusion album. JM and AM Tuesday, day nine in the counting of the Omer. Hello, hello. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being part of this amazing radio experience. We're hoping, we are hoping that tomorrow we have a major announcement regarding Lagba Omer. We are certainly uh, confident in saying that we have some special days and some special programming coming up here at JM and the AM, including... This coming Thursday, Yom HaShoah, Wednesday and Thursday of next week, Yom HaZikaron, and Yom HaTzmud. Lagba Omer, the 30th of April, that's a Friday morning, and of course, May the 10th, Yom Yerushalayim here at JM in the AM. So there is a lot going on, and I hope that um, tomorrow we can make the major announcement regarding Lagba Omer, I hope. If not, it'll be shortly after that, but I'm really, really hoping that we get to make that announcement tomorrow. That'd be pretty amazing, frankly. Yeah, that would be amazing, wouldn't it be? Sure would. We'll see what happens. We shall see, as we uh, as we always say. It's a JM in the AM Tuesday with a reminder from our friends at shopiclers.com. No matter what you're looking for, and chances are over Yuntif and over Cholomoid, you discovered what you don't have. 
How many times did you say, oh, should have ordered this before you should have had this in the house? Well, now you have the uh, entire situation solved. Just go to shopbyclothes.com. Check out all the different things they have on their website, every category imaginable. Uh, Most everything is priority or same-day delivery. Um, If you're getting into that part of the year where you have to start thinking about gifts for teachers or Mother's Day, which is a month away, gift cards for different people who helped you out over the last few weeks, whatever the case may be, it's all available at shopbyclothes.com. And there's same-day deliveries in Borough Park, Flatbush, Williamsburg, Crown Heights, Staten Island, Queens, Five Towns, Far Rockaway, Muncie, Monroe, Teaneck, Lakewood, Toms River, and Jackson, New Jersey. So you have an amazing opportunity, to say the least, uh, to uh, get all that done on one website. Shopbyclothes.com. Again, it's shopbyclothes.com. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at the A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage and Deli is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954 and available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. Try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. And, um, yeah, kosherdogs.net. Always use promo code radio. And when you go to artscroll.com, always use promo code radio. Always use promo code radio. Our friends at Partners in Torah, Partners in Torah are looking for mentors. People who want to try to enhance the education, tradition, and heritage of those who are thirsting for it. That's not a joke. Seriously, people who are thirsting for it. Uh, PartnersinTorah.org. You'll learn. You'll see why it's such a great experience. You'll see why it's such a, a wonderful pursuit. Again, PartnersinTorah.org, PartnersinTorah.org, or call 1-800-STUDY-42, 1-800-STUDY, the number four, and then the number two for Partners in Torah. More coming up. Here's Derek Achim.
In the AM, in the AM, Avram Avram Free with Loavo, Symphony Edition, if you will. Isaac B. Tone and Company with Samalachan Afshi. You heard Maim Rabim done by Derek Achim. Tuesday morning broadcast, 49 degrees, sunshine, and a high of 70. Woo! Now we're talking. A reminder that the concert that Ellie Gerstner posted at, uh, that we did last Thursday night 
at feedourbrothers.org. Feedourbrothers.org is going to be taken down later today. So your last chance to see Thursday night's concert, feedourbrothers.org, is going to be today. So make sure to watch it and make sure to contribute to the fund that desperately needs our assistance, def- desperately needs our help. I see that over 2,500 people have already donated, which is amazing. And they're getting close to 400,000. Uh, do what you can. You'll watch it later on, feedourbrothers.org, feedourbrothers.org, and hopefully you'll uh, give generously as well so that everybody uh, who they service, um, so they can increase the amount of service that they give and the amount of uh, money and food that they give to uh, poor families in Israel. That would be amazing, frankly. Really amazing. More coming up. It's JM in the AM with Shlomo Kalbach. With Shlomo Kalbach. Tuesday morning, ninth day in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. One week and two days, day nine in the counting of the Omer. Simple as that. Uh, Rabbi Ari Pearl, who um, I know for longer than uh, both he and I would ever admit, uh, is with us live via telephone. Uh, Rabbi Pearl. 
is the uh, vice president of multicultural engagement at Live On NY, Live On New York. He leads a new initiative to educate the New York City area's diverse Jewish community about the life-saving power of organ donation. And we said earlier that uh, he was with Hode. He works with Hode in cooperation with them, the Halachic Organ Donors Society, but he is uh, not with them. He is with liveonny.org. And their entire Jewish community initiative is led by Rabbi Ari Pearl. Rabbi Pearl, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Thank you so much, Nachum. And uh, thanks for having me on. And I, I am going to make an admission. Um, this is about the this is exactly the 30-year anniversary of our first interview, and that was when you, you interviewed me to join your staff at Camp Masora. <laughs> That's it. It was only 30 years ago? My gosh, it seems like yesterday. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, it's a, a pleasure to know you for that length of time and to follow up and just see how successful you've been in so many uh, amazing areas, including uh, Jewish education. Uh, Rabbi Ari Pearl is with us. So... I wasn't even aware, frankly. I, I know there's an effort, and we'll talk about it, obviously, to get members of the Jewish community in general, you know, New York area and outside the New York area, to be more aware of the importance of organ donation. I get that. Uh, I was not aware that there's a general effort like this. I didn't know that Live On NY, Live On New York, even exists, and that people in general try to lead efforts to to get people to the point that they're ready uh, to uh, undertake a commitment to organ donation. How would you describe first, before we do the Jewish piece, how would you describe the effort in general uh, in the United States to get people to be aware of its importance? That's really a great place to start. Um, people are generally not aware of the tremendous need. So I'll, let me frame it this way. There's about 110,000 people in the United States who are on what we know of as the waiting list wow. for an organ donation, which means that their doctors have essentially concluded that the only way to save their life is by receiving an organ transplant. And an organ transplant means there has to be a donor on the other side. So that's 110,000 people across the country. And in the, in the greater New York area, it's about 10,000 people. And, and then coming down to the Jewish community, statistically, there's about a thousand members of our own Jewish community in just the New York area whose lives are essentially hanging in the balance, depending and, and waiting for an organ donation. Do you, and, do, you know but, the, uh, do you know the percentage of kidney? I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm just curious because I would assume a lot of it is, is need for kidneys. Am I right? Do you know what the percentage you, is of that 110,000? You're absolutely correct. The, the percentage is overwhelmingly, um, the, the need is for, for kidneys and then smaller percentages for, uh, for heart, for lungs, um, and, and, and other, and liver is also very significant need, but you're 100% right that I don't know the exact statistics offhand, but a, a large percentage is people waiting for kidneys. And is, and is kidney, the, I mean, not to be too frank here, but I mean, let, let's talk. I mean, is kidney the only organ that one can give and safely continue to live? Like, could someone do that with a P53 
piece of their liver. I mean, it, it would be obvious to me, I think, and I'm not a doctor, but it would be obvious to me that you know one would not donate an eye, and that would only happen if, if God forbid, someone was uh, in an accident and you know had left a a wish for their organs to be donated. But are, are kidneys the only one where we appeal to peel where we appeal to healthy people who are alive and plan on living a long time for a donation? Right. Great question. It's important to distinct to distinguish between two types of donation. There's live donation, where, as you mentioned, the donor is live, and, and that's predominantly kidney donation, although one can um, donate a, a portion of one's liver and still live a, right. a very healthy and active life. Um, it's deceased donation where the possibilities um, expand significantly, and, and those are, and, and those are, and those a are single lo- donor can donate and, and save sometimes eight right. lives. And, and, and those are lung, heart, et cetera, et cetera, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Rabbi Ari Pearl is with us. So now, why does, and, and you're obviously doing the Jewish piece for liveonny.org, which is great, and I understand the importance of spreading the word in specific communities. Do we know why? It, it, it would seem to me it would be difficult because of our tradition and heritage and some of the things that we are used to growing up. It would seem to me it would be difficult to convince members of our community both about organ donation after death, right? Because again, we've been you know we've been primed to to react a certain way to once you know once a a body is at rest, uh, so that needs a reeducation. And I would also think that in our community it, it would it would be difficult to convince people who are alive to do the same thing, to take one of their organs, a kidney that who knows they may need down the road or, or they're afraid to, you know, part with, uh, you know, it would take a Yet it seems to me, Rabbi Pearl, that when it comes to the first part, it, it has been difficult and needs a reeducation. When it comes to the second part, the one you described as living donation, it seems like we're on a roll. It seems like members of our community are stepping forward and they want to participate in this unique mitzvah of saving someone's life and living to tell about it. Nachum, you're absolutely correct. Um, the, the Jewish community, and in particular the Orthodox community over the last few years, have become far and away the leaders, community speaking, in in live donation, um, thanks in, in large part to the, the remarkable efforts of organizations like like Renewal. Um, and it sometimes seems to me like in, in a few years from now, if someone doesn't have on their shit up resume that a family member gave a, a kidney, you know, you need not, need not even apply. That's great. Uh, it, it's remarkable. It's really remarkable. But at the same time, um, Jews, and most especially in the Orthodox community, very, very hesitant about donating after death. And, right. and you're right. A lot of it has to do with some values, tr- very important fundamental values in our in our tradition about kavod hamet and right. burial and things like that. Right. And, and, but, we're not, and we're not in any way minimizing that. It's just that we're living in a completely different time than when all those decisions were made, and it needs to be re-examined halachically. And that's, and that's why, you know, there are segments of the community that have been active in, in making sure that certain people, you know, who want to make a commitment to organ donations. You described earlier, one can save up to eight lives depending on the organ, you know, if, if unfortunately a family member, you know, has perished in, uh, in some type of accident. So, uh, you know, right. it, it just now, so if Hodes, because we are familiar somewhat with the Halachic or organ donor society, we, we've always, and, and I know that you have an initiative with them with which we'll get to, 
Uh, if they're responsible for education and renewal, again, because of their social media and their you know, incredible presence in the community at this point, you know, we know that they are really the nuts and bolts of getting these donations and these transplants done. Uh, th- what is Live On and why? Where, where do they fall? Are, are they actively helping people match up with the recipients? Are they only, you know, an educational arm to spread the word in different communities? What's the role? So Live On New York is actually a government-mandated organization that oversees all aspects of deceased organ donation in the greater New York area. Uh, The country is divided up into 58 different regions. Each region has an organization that's responsible for the entire process. So, So it's a large nonprofit organization. One of the things that we do is community education, and then we break down those community education initiatives into different communities, geographically, regionally, religiously, culturally, but we also have medical staff, uh, medical officers, surgeons. We, we actually oversee and, and implement all the aspects of uh, deceased organ donation and strictly deceased organ donation. So right. it's, a, it's a full operation, if you will. Unbelievable. Um, you've been at this for a couple of years, right? Do you see, and again, I'm looking at the perspective that we've been talking about this for about 30 years, Um, so I know the changing attitude in our community. Have you seen a lot of change over the last couple of years, and now the changes are going very slowly? Yeah, I would say we've we've definitely seen change, and and we can say that statistically because we, we have record of every opportunity that a Jewish family has to donate. And the numbers are still not good, but there's definitely been an improvement. But it's slow and it's steady. And as you said, there's a lot of work that needs to be done to educate the community. And and the bar moves slowly, bit by bit. But but it's definitely going in the right direction. And uh, we've, we've had a number of successful initiatives. Uh, we have a major program coming up for Donate Life Month, which is the month of April, for the Westchester Jewish community. We oh, have wow. about 12 to 15 synagogue and day school co-sponsors for an event to educate the Westchester Jewish community. And we're trying to do similar things in other communities, whether it's large scale or individual shuls, day schools, JCCs, and things like that to try to try to educate the community because that's what it comes down to is education. I read somewhere online, I just can't find it right now, you, you actually have an initiative that's going to be happening later this year in 2021. I just don't remember... Was something I saw an event that I saw that was coming up um, uh, later on. But anyway, uh, you'll certainly keep us up to date on all of this, and we'll make sure to let people know about it. Rabbi Ari Pearl is with us talking about uh, LiveOnNY.org. Uh, all right, a couple of things. I mean, you mentioned about the about April being uh, Donate Life Month, National Donate Life Month. That's why this is a good time to bring this to everybody's attention. Um, also, there's a tell us about this partnership. Uh, it's one of the, the the points that you sent in your initial email to us. Apparently, Live On NY and Hodes have worked together to form a partnership with an organ donation club at Yeshiva University. Is that is that a club that did not exist until recently? That it, that club did not exist until until very recently, and the uh, the partnership initiative. Um, you know, Hodes is a a global organization that for many, many years has been doing the pioneering work of educating the community about organ donation. And we partnered with them to create a college campus ambassador program where we have some wonderfully um, talented and ambitious 
students on a few different college campuses in the New York area who are well-educated about the issue, passionate about the issue, and are bringing this type of education to their fellow students and other um, other members of the, the broader college communities that they're a part of, and, and including at Yeshiva University. Interesting. And you get them started young, they'll, uh, the, we're, we're literally going to grow a generation of students that are, you know, looking positively uh, on this mitzvah instead of, you know, all the apprehension and hesitation that, you know, we've had in our community. And again, not criticizing. We, we know where that comes Correct. from. It comes from a good place, so we know where it comes from. Uh, but, but but there's no question a lot of that is changing. By the way, the event I was talking about, and I'm glad I found it, is coming up in November. I know it's half a year from now, but it's significant in my opinion because you are going to be dedicating an entire Shabbos across the board at the beginning of November uh, in different congregations throughout the New York area uh, to educate people about this. You're literally uh, doing what I don't know if it's been done before, frankly. It's it's sort of an organ donation Shabbaton uh, to bring awareness to people throughout the community. Right. And, and, you know, interestingly, I was a, a shul rabbi for, for 20 years, wonderful 20 years, and, and I was never really aware that right. this initiative existed right. across the board for faith communities every November, right? That's how, that's how out of the loop the Jewish community generally is right. when it comes to this topic. And part of my job is to bring some of these initiatives that exist and make the Jewish, Jewish community part of them so that so that, like you said, we can we can benefit from the mitzvah of, of giving, but also there are benefits to our own community. There are lives within our own community that can be saved through these initiatives. No question about it. All right. Uh, the website is liveonny.org slash Judaism. Again, if you want the specific targeted web page that speaks to our community, it's liveonny.org slash Judaism. Be aware of the fact that April is National Donate Life Month. Uh, which brings even more awareness, uh, hopefully in our community as well as other communities, to the power of organ donation. Um, and uh, as Rabbi Ari Pearl described, and there's nothing better than this, uh, any organization you've heard of that's dealing with organ donations, recipients, the procedure, the education, he's working with all of them uh, to try to spread the word and get the education out there. Th- that would be accurate, Rabbi Pearl. You're, you're, you're more than willing to work with any group that wants to help you get this word out. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, so, again, anybody with information or questions, go to liveonny.org slash Judaism. Anything else you'd like to add, Rabbi Ari Pearl? Um, no, the only thing I would say is uh, education about the issue is important. It's also a community mindset that needs to shift. And I'll give you an example. You sure. know, 30 years ago, if you saw someone in the, in the Orthodox community walking around with a phone or walkie-talkie on Shabbos, right, it, it, would, be a, it would be a Shonda in, right. in some way. You know, now it's like commonplace. You know, right. what kind of a from Jew are you, are you if you don't carry a walkie-talkie <laughs> on Shabbos? And part of that, the reason I mention this is because it's a maturation of the community attitude. We now understand that as important as Shabbos is, pikuach nefesh and saving life is even more important, right? right? So we, we, we've come to understand that. And I think that's really a key when it comes to organ donation is the issues of kavod hamet, nivel hamet, burial, all incredibly important issues that are at, you know, at the bedrock of, of our value system. But what we have to realize is that, is that pikuach nefesh and saving life is always, you know, with the three common exceptions, but always the supreme value. And that's right. where the conversation should really start, is how do we save lives and, and what might the obstacles be and how do we overcome them 
instead of seeing organ donation as something that's just not part of the Jewish community or the Jewish value system or the halachic value. And I think it's safe to say that Jewish religious leaders of all backgrounds, I mean right to left, left to right, I think are, are I'm not saying they're completely, you know, 180 already on this issue, but they're certainly, you know, making a, a lot of moves on this issue. Absolutely. And, and I think what I would leave you with is, is um, members of the Jewish community don't make assumptions about the issues surrounding organ donation. Talk to your rabbis right. about it. There's 400 rabbis who are signed up um, with their own halakhic organ donation cards, which means that they support it. Right. Uh, doctors, in our, doctors in our community should engage rabbis in these types of conversations and, and are very helpful to rabbis in understanding the, the cutting-edge medical issues that are such a big part of this of this issue. And I would say to my fellow rabbis, you know, to make sure that that you understand all of the scientific and medical issues, you know, and then whatever the halakhic conclusion right. is, is a halakhic conclusion, as long as it's an educated one. Right. Excellent. Uh, Rabbi Ari Pearls, Vice President of Multicultural Engagement, the uh, initiative at Live On NY educates New York City's Jewish community about the life-saving power of organ donation information. LiveOnNY.org slash Judaism liveonny.org slash Judaism. Rabbi Pearl, a real pleasure. Continued success with your work. You're doing very, very important work out there, and it's much appreciated. Thank you, Nachum. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Rabbi Ari Pearl, a a Tuesday morning broadcast at JM in the AM.
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network. And of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing and incredible Tuesday here at JM and the AM. Will we have the big Lagba Omer announcement tomorrow? It's possible. And I am hoping. If not, then it'll be shortly after that. This Thursday, of course, Yom HaShoah. Next week, Yom HaZikaron and Yom HaTzmud on Wednesday and Thursday. Lagba Omer coming up the 30th of April. That's a Friday morning. And May 10th is Yom Yerushalayim. A lot of special days coming up here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a fabulous Tuesday. Till tomorrow, Malcolm Siegel reminding you, remember to past, live the present, and trust the future.